Open House Powerhouse, Pastor Adele. Thank you, Jen. Thank you very much. Are we good, guys? Good. Wow. Well, what a blessing already, hey? Should we just take a time in prayer together before we get into the Word? Is that okay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place, Lord, and for all just the wonderful stuff you're doing through this church and through our lives. Lord, we just take a moment just to settle ourselves now, Father. Just turn our eyes to you. Just turn our mind to you, Father. We just prepare our hearts to receive your word today. I know you want to speak to your people today. So we just take a minute to prepare our hearts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray you just minister. You minister to your people and and just touch them where they need to be touched and transform what needs to be transformed. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the gift of change. Today we kick off our Christmas series, The Gift of Change, because there was a night, wasn't there, when a lot changed. There was a night in history when when something very significant took place, a night that would, would change the understanding of the world as people knew it then, a night that would become the center point of history that we would all look back to, and a night that shaped so much of the world as we know it today. You know, there's things in our world that that wasn't always there. We just have the privilege of enjoying such as human rights, civil rights, equal rights, humanitarian aid. You know, these things weren't always in place. It was this night in history when the gift of change came that set such things into motion. The night that changed everything. In a, in a town just outside of Jerusalem, Bethlehem is still there. Currently in Palestine, you can go and visit. A child was born. A child who we would learn was fully God and fully man. A child who would bring heaven down to earth in such an accessible way. A child that would change the world forever. You know, Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? And there was a 17th century historian, Philip Schaft, and he says this, which I think is great. Without money or arms, Jesus conquered more millions than Alexander the Great or Caesar Augusta. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life that were never spoken before or since. Without a single faculty of science, he shed more light on things human and divine than all the philosophers and scholars combined. And without writing a single line, he set more pens into motion, furnished more sermons, more works of art and songs of praise than a whole army of great men and women, both past and present. Think about that. Jesus changes so much. You know, you just can't ignore Jesus, can you? And whether you believe in him as the son of God, whether you believe in him as your savior um, yet or not, you still can't ignore Jesus. It's impossible to ignore the change that he had on the world and the effects that he still has on the world today. So in this time of Advent, as we're awaiting the arrival of Jesus, we're going to look at what deeply and profoundly changed for humanity that night. What gifts of change did Jesus bring that, that can help the deepest soul cry of a person? What gifts of change did Jesus bring that could help the innermost longings and yearnings of our heart? 
So for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at peace, joy, love, and hope, which means this morning, we're going to take a look at peace together. Amen? Okay. Let's take a look at peace. And as we, as we talk through this today, there's three words that I just want you to recognize, and that's alienation, reconciliation, and transformation. Alienation, reconciliation, and transformation. You know, the world needs to talk about peace today, doesn't it? We need to talk about peace. Peace should be the main dialogue between people groups at the moment. There's chaos in the world today, right? And you've got to be living under a stone not to recognize that. You only have to pick your phone up and turn the news on to realize it's chaos out there at the minute. There's so much division, competition, opposition, antagonism, turmoilism. Is that a word? No, but it rhymes and you get my point. (laughs) There's so much chaos out there, right? There's so much tension and misunderstandings. People are scared to speak for the ripple effect that it might cause. There's just so much chaos at the minute. You know, but more than the outward chaos, there's so much internal chaos as well, isn't they? So much internal chaos. You know, people at large just seem to be struggling with this internal conflict and unrest and eternal just war that rages. You know, rarely do we come across a person whose problem is they just have too much peace. (laughs) I'm just too tranquil. I just have way too much peace. You know, it's the opposite, isn't it? It's the absolute opposite. And I know this isn't new to our time and our generations, but I definitely believe it's on the increase. I definitely believe it's on the increase. We see so much more mental health diagnosis, so many more people on medication, medicated, so many more people reaching out for drugs and alcohol, whatever it may be, just to find even some temporal relief from the storm that rages. And you know... We as, we as people, we as humans, we, we're quite good at putting our masks on, aren't we? We're quite good at putting our happy faces on, our happy masks. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, off. I'm great. I'm really good. I'm, yep, fine. When inside, inside the storm is raging. Inside, we're not fine. We're not fine. But we get so efficient at putting our masks on. There's a pastor and preacher called Alistair Begg, and and what he said I I could relate to, but I thought it was quite funny, so I wanted to share. He says of modern culture, it's a time when there's so much in the showroom window, but the storeroom is empty. There's so much in the showroom window, but the storeroom is empty. And, And I don't know about you, but I can get so, you know, so good at putting on this face. I can dress up the showroom window, but inside... The storeroom of my soul, I can at times feel very empty. And I don't think I'm alone, am I? I don't think I'm alone in this. The internal war rages. So what can help us? What helps us? Does popularity help us? You know, we can get more likes on Facebook. We can get more people to back our opinion and comment. But does that really solve this problem of unrest? Does that really bring us that internal rest? We can get more money, but does that equate to more peace in our hearts? More power, more relationships, bigger this, bigger that, whatever it may be, it never seems to solve this eternal, internal problem, doesn't it? It might for a while, but nothing consistent. And I would suggest, you know, people just at large are just tired. 
People are tired. They're more confused than ever. And we have just spent a week down in Teen Challenge. And what I learned was people are just exhausted from the battle of daily life. Just exhausted from living. What I believe people really need, without even knowing it, what I believe people really need more than ever is just some peace. Where is the peace? I just need some peace. True peace. A lasting peace. A stable peace. Peace not from this world. Where is the peace? Is peace even possible anymore in our time? Where is the peace? Should we have a look at scripture to try and answer that question? Well, I want to bring us to two main, main scriptures and quite well-known scriptures that surround the birth of Jesus. And the, per, the first is from the prophet Isaiah. And in much like a time of today, the, the nation of Judah were under threat from Assyria. There was a time of fear, of chaos, of national turmoil. In much like a time today, the, the prophet told of a time that would come, a time that would bring an unbridled peace for hum- humanity. And it's Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So among so many of the wonderful things this child was going to be and was going to bring us, he would be the Prince of Peace. And for 750 years approximately, the people of Israel were waiting and wondering, well, when, when, who is this Prince of Peace? And then we come to the night that Jesus was born and we get the long-awaited angelic announcement. And it's in Luke. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The Prince of Peace had come and he brought peace on earth. But there isn't peace on earth, is there? We've just spoke about that. We don't have to look too far to see there's not peace on earth. So what is this peace? that we're talking about here. You know, I found it interesting to learn that during the time Jesus was born, um, it was a time known as the Pax Romana. And the emperor, Caesar Augusta, he had declared a time of peace within the Roman Empire. Rome had conquered much of the Western world. Rome was firmly in control. So now they could be peace on earth. So peace had already been declared on earth. And Jesus was born. And the angel says, no, now, now there's a true peace. Now there's a peace that isn't of this world. Now there is peace on earth. And there's a first century Greek writer whose name I really struggle to pronounce, but it really (laughs) captures what we're talking about here, so I'll give it a go. Epictetus, (laughs) let's just go with that. But he was around, he was a first century writer, so he was around during the Pax Romana, and he says this, he says this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea. He is unable to give peace from passion. He is unable to give peace from grief, from envy. He cannot give peace of the heart 
for which man yearns for more than ever an outward peace. You see, we think and we logic that, that once all our issues get sorted out, then we'll have peace, right? Once the financial problem is conquered, then we can have peace. Once my kid's problem is conquered, then. Once that relationship problem is conquered, once, I don't know, you fill in the blanks because we all have something, don't we? When I declare a time of peace within my empire, then, then my people will have peace. But people didn't have peace. People didn't have peace. Why? Because true inner peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. True inner peace comes from the presence of God. The presence of God. You know, this might shock you, but Jesus didn't come to bring world peace. (laughs) You see it. He didn't come to bring world peace. He didn't come to settle nations and stop wars and conflict. Do you know why? Because he knew there was a deeper problem. He knew that would just be patching it up. He knew there was a deeper problem of humanity that needed fixing first. The problem of the dislocated, separated, and fractured human heart. You know the real reasons people don't have peace and they can't find it out there? It's because we became separated from the God of all peace. And that's where our first word comes in, alienation. The Bible describes it as alienation. Way back in the garden when sin came into the world, we, ca- we became separated from the God of all peace. And more than just separated from him, we actually became enemies in, the mind, in, in our minds, enemies of God. So, w- so if, if we're enemies of God, we're going to have hostility, anger, fear in our minds. And it's going to flood our body with anxiety, unrest, disharmony. And this is a fundamental problem. This is a problem of our missing peace. We became alienated from God. And for for as long as we can remember, we have been reaching out to try and find that peace, to try and fill it. But Jesus came to give us something else to reach out to. He says this in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. But what is this peace? What is this peace that Jesus brings that we can reach out to? What is this peace that isn't what the world offers us? What is this missing peace that only Jesus can bring us? And this is where our next word comes in, and that's reconciliation. He solves our alienation from God by providing reconciliation back to God alienation to reconciliation, our relationship to the God of all peace restored through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And Colossians explains it this way, for God was pleased to have, to have all his fullness dwell in, him, dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. 
from alienation to reconciliation. There was a barrier between us and God. And that barrier the Bible describes as sin. And because God is a just God, he must judge sin. There needed to be a sin offering. But because God is a loving God, he provides the offering. He makes himself the sin offering. Jesus bore the chastisement of our peace from alienation to reconciliation. And it's when we put our faith in Christ Jesus and his sacrifice that we can again find our missing peace, that we can experience that true, divine, eternal peace that only comes with the presence of God. The Prince of Peace did come, and he did bring peace to earth. But we don't find it in reaching out there to external comforts. We find it in reaching to God and the comfort of being restored back to Father God. But it goes further than that. Because our God is a God of the immeasurably more than we can ask or think. Amen? Amen. So it goes further than that. And this is where our next word comes in. Transformation. Alienation. Reconciliation. Transformation. You know, the peace of God can transform us. The peace of God can transform us. The Bible describes this peace as a perfect peace. And many of you may know the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it means a wholeness, a completeness. It means peace in every way, the fullness of peace, perfect peace. It's a peace, um, it's, it's a peace that brings peace within ourselves. You know, we can have peace with ourselves again. No longer are we at war in our minds and within ourselves. We can have peace with ourselves again. We don't have to worry about the shame or the guilt or because we know Jesus has taken care of that. Jesus bore the chastisement of our peace. We can have peace with ourselves again. We can have peace from the assurance of knowing he is with us in every situation. We have the ability to walk in peace in every situation because we have the presence of God with us in every situation. And it also brings peace with others. It brings peace with others. You know, when we're no longer at war with ourselves, we should be able to offer peace to others, shouldn't we? And the question is, this Christmas, will we be peacemakers? Will we be peace offerers this Christmas? Because as Christians, we're called to be peacemakers, right? We're called to be peacemakers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Once we receive the peace of God, we should initiate peace with others. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The ministry, the message of reconciliation. So who has been given this ministry of reconciliation? All of you, all who's been restored to Christ, have you been restored back to Christ? Then you have the ministry of reconciliation. Will you be a reconciler this Christmas time? Will you extend 
the hand of reconciliation this Christmas time. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Will we be winning? Will we be willing to lose an argument but win the peace? Will we be willing to bear the impact of somebody else's wrongdoings against us without seeking revenge or, or retribution? Because we now know the one who bore all our wrongs and all our faults on himself? Will we be willing to forgive others even when forgiving is costly? Even when forgiving costs us something because we have now entrusted ourselves to the one who paid it all for our forgiveness. And you know, this might be painful. Sometimes when we're doing this, it can be painful. It can feel like we're actually dying. But you know, we have the strength and the grace of the one who actually did die for us. So we could be reconciled back to God. Can we simply live out towards others what Jesus did for us this Christmas? Alienation, reconciliation, transformation. Now you might say, but Adele, I have been reconciled back to God, but I still don't feel his peace all the time. You know, I feel it every now and then, but, but it's not consistent. It's hard. If I find it hard to maintain the peace, you know, I'm still reactive to my circumstances. Fear still floods me. Anxiety still floods me. And especially during this Christmas time. You know, for a time when, when there might be a lot of talk of peace around, it can definitely feel like a peaceless time, can't it? You know, we have the busyness, as we've already mentioned, the expectations. You know, my kids' Christmas list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every time they rewrite it. You know, the financial strain, the preparation, the family dynamics. <laughs> we have family around the Christmas table. <laughs> we've not all got Brady Bunch families, have we? You know, <laughs> we have to deal with that, and it can be difficult. You know, perhaps you've got an empty seat around your Christmas table this year for the first time. Maybe you don't have a loved one with you this Christmas time. As Pastor Jacob was saying, as much as we love Christmas and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, this can be a difficult time for people. But I believe we find the answer in Philippians. In Philippians 4. And he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't you just love that? The Lord is near. The Lord is here right now. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice 
and the God of peace will be with you. Don't be anxious about anything. You know, for some of us, myself included, that can seem like quite an unachievable goal, can't it? Be anxious for nothing. But Paul tells us how. By coming to Jesus in prayer and praise. Bringing your anxieties, your worries, your impossible situations, bringing them to Jesus. And when we do, it allows a supernatural exchange. 